guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. This is your host, Melissa, and we're back for another episode of our Everyday Women segment. And today, we actually have two women on the Everyday Women segment, so super cool. And we actually are going to be talking about some hardcore shit today, and it's called politics. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you guys that we have a podcast phone number where you can leave a voicemail and have your message featured in one of our upcoming minisodes. So you can call and submit a woman of the week if you want to shout out a special lady in your life that deserves some recognition. Or you can call to say hello, tell me where you're from, how you found the podcast, and why you love it so much. So I'm super excited to feature all of your voices and stories on the show. So please be sure to call in because I really want to hear from you. The phone number is 562-270-4914. And I cannot wait to hear your super cool message. All right, well, let's get into the episode. So like I already mentioned tonight, we're covering a topic that literally causes wars at family dinner tables, mine especially, but it's also a topic that cannot be avoided, especially in the year 2020. And there's no better person or people to talk to about this topic than Sammy and Maddie from Girl in the Gov podcast. So welcome to the show, guys. I'm so excited you're here with me tonight. Thank you. We're super excited. Yeah. All right. So who's Sammy and who's Maddie? Just so the listeners know. Okay. Voice recognition moment. This is Maddie. (laughs) Hello. Testing one, two, one, two. This is Sammy. Um, And also in case you're looking at her cover, I'm the blonde one. So Sammy is the blonde one. Maddie is the brunette. Obviously we chose that on purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. like if I dyed my hair brown, we'd have a serious issue. Yeah. Major (laughs) branding issue. (laughs) Report us to HR. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> no hair can be dyed. Yeah. All right. Well, so you guys are the hosts of Girl in the Gov podcast. So obviously, it's pretty clear we're talking about politics and government today. And your show specifically covers all of that. So how did you like what made you launch this podcast that particularly had to do with politics? And like, how did you get into it? How did you guys meet? How did you come together and launch this entire show? Give me all the nitty gritty on the show. I think that's a funny story. And I think, Sammy, you should start it off. Maybe you're the kind of root of it all. So So, where to start? Where to start? So if we're getting really nitty gritty, um, let's take it back to what Girl in the Gov is, what the origin story is for the, the overarching brand. So Girl in the Gov, I founded about two years ago. Um, it's an events-based company in New York City, and we put on events that meld politics with the everyday. So putting politics in an approachable format that makes it cool and fun, you actually want to get involved in it. And I started after really learning that so many of my friends were not engaged in politics at all, or they just felt it really cold and sterile or 
just something that they they wanted to avoid not just at the Thanksgiving table but like all year long every season whatever so regardless that was off to the races um super fun super exciting taking the town and then COVID hit so love that we just like love a good pandemic it's so fun. oh yeah <laughs> and, like especially like in events you're like okay the entire idea here is for like people to come together like in the same place and I was yeah. like ha like jokes on you <laughs> so anyways I was like okay like let's pivot let's continue to do the same thing um but find other avenues to explore and find ways that we can all connect on politics especially millennials in particular throughout this year and as 2020 only got crazier it was only more apparent how important that was and then okay well here's confession 101 is when you're looking through instagram you're trying to find you know, people to follow, other accounts, people that might be interested in your business. You're obviously kind of doing the scroll. And I found Maddie. And I was like, oh, cool. this girl, like, I think, like, I don't know, I'm getting a vibe. Like, she definitely feels like she's into politics. She caught that vibe. She really caught it. Like, I knew. Like, I was like, wow, did I manifest this? Is this is what, like, my new skill is? Like, anyways, I follow her and she DMs me. I was like, wow, this is, like, really, like, next century stuff. And, like, I was like, wow, I'm old. But anyways... <laughs> she so she dms me and we start talking about girl on the gov where it's going what what i'm doing with it and sort of like where it could go in the next year or so and she's like have you ever thought about launching a podcast and i was like oh my god light bulb moment yeah. and honestly like the rest is history i literally we formed a business like entity via instagram like if that is not 2020 like literally overnight after our DMs, we got on the phone for literally an hour, just an hour. And then from there, we decided two strangers to launch a podcast together. And we just talk about how like compulsive and crazy we fucking sound. And um, no, but it's like worked out. It's so crazy. I feel like we work really well together. And it's just like we had the same vision. And it's just it it's be it just makes no sense how it happened but it did (laughs) and it's pretty incredible like we're super excited about it have you guys ever met in real life (laughs) we just (laughs) met recently so i that's the other crazy thing i'm in california she's in new york and i went to new york a couple weeks ago to visit my friend but also to like meet sammy and like record some episodes and like get some business done you know and (laughs) we finally met in person and it was literally the same like like it was just fine yeah that's so cool so honestly the story isn't as crazy as you think it is because (laughs) I actually connected with two with another podcast they're called the murder diaries and those two girls the co-hosts of the murder diaries met on bumble bff oh yes friendship tinder basically yes and they connected and became friends and then launched a podcast together and I actually am currently um considering bringing on a co-host for myself mm-hmm. and I was just set up on like a blind friend date with a girl who somebody suggested might be a good fit for the show and we went on a blind friend date <laughs> and we oh just recorded God, our cute. first episode together so oh I don't know guys I think this is just like the future this no, is 2020 this is, yeah the year we are living in that makes me feel so much better that's so good. Right. <laughs> not even better that just like makes me happy like just everyone connecting like there is like definitely or something in the air whatever I don't know what medium we're talking about but like wow yeah the digital era just bringing bringing women together we love to see it so like 
before the pandemic set in, like what types of events would you do? And like, how would you reach out to people to get them interested in Girl in the Gov? And like, what has your experience been so far when you were able to host events or connect with people? Did you find that people were either already like super pro politics and knew what was going on or they were really kind of reaching out to you guys as a resource to get more familiar with it and get their feet wet? Yeah, so a a number of levels to that. So in terms of the types of events that we've had, they're really designed to meet people on their level. So what are you doing after work usually? What are you doing on a weekend? What, you know, what brings you quote unquote joy, right? So in looking at... being based in New York, think of it in that context, that lens, is people love to go to workout classes. People like love to see what the next, the coolest rooftop is. What's the cutest bar or like Instagrammable place. So our events are all kind of based on that construct. The idea of like bringing people to the places they normally would go and want to hang out with their friends and then just adding an additional element in it. So it feels really seamless and easy. You're not necessarily thinking about the politics first. The politics really there is an additional benefit. It's basically like you're getting extra credit for being Mm -hmm. at something or doing something that you already want to do. Mm -hmm. So for example, we had a rooftop yoga at this place called Brooklyn Grange. It's gorgeous. It has entire views of the entire Manhattan skyline. Um, It's this really beautiful like farm to table spot that they do events. So we were able to have this private yoga session um, and then also bring on um, some amazing speakers. So we had this one organization, Eleanor's Legacy, who we actually just had on an episode, um, the president of their organization, but she came and she spoke to us about women in politics and specifically in the state of New York and how to get the vote out and what some of the barriers are. So a lot of our events are really organized around that design of we have that element of fun, that very, you know, sort of effortless thing you would do on the day to day. So that yoga class, right? Maybe you're mm-hmm. exploring this new location, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go all the way to Brooklyn, like whatever, like I'll I'll hop on the L, like it's fine. See a cool rooftop. And then you also like get a little bit of education to it too. You have like something, you have a talking point for work the next day if your like workplace feels that vibe, mm-hmm. you know, for your group chat, whatever it is, and provides that sort of entree point. So in that we found a a range of success. Um, and what's been interesting to, to your point and to your question about, you know, how far on the spectrum are people educated in terms of politics? Like where are people like hardos? Do they already know everything or are they like total novices? And I have to say we have a range. Each mm-hmm. event, there's usually I would say I'm bad at math, but bear with me. If we have 15 people at the event, there's usually about five people that are like, okay, they they kind of know who's coming to the event. They really have an understanding and a passion for politics in some on some level. And we're like, okay, good. You're going to ask some really hard questions and we're happy to have you, but you already kind of know what you're doing. Awesome. And then you really have like some people in the middle. Maybe it's like people they kind of know, they'll tap into politics every once in a while, but then they like kind of just avoid it because they're intimidated by it. And then you have usually the group, the last five of that 15 that either are totally new to it, want a new perspective, or they kind of got dragged there by a friend with the idea that that friend, usually from the friend in the middle, mm-hmm. that quasi dips their toe in and pulls out from time to time. And then wants their friend to get more involved or wants a buddy to get more involved with and like, you know, the classic like girls don't show up to events by themselves scenario. Um, so you really have that range to make a long story short of people that are really experienced the political realm that show up to our events and also at the other end where it's like they might not know if they're registered to vote or not or how to register to vote. Something as basic as that or what seems basic to you, me and everyone else 
um, on this chat, you know, totally possible, but it's not obvious to them. So Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do, not just with the podcast, but also generally, you know, with Girl on the Gov is rebrand politics, make it approachable, but also make it really easy and user-friendly. So it's Mm -hmm. not so intimidating. You don't get to each national presidential election and are like, oh shit, like, what is this? I guess I should be paying attention and feel like you're 10 steps behind. So we want to make sure people are caught up and and not playing um, catch up the entire time. Totally. You know, what's interesting and like what just kind of like came into my mind right now is like when I'm thinking back on learning about politics, I feel like I was like in the fourth grade or something like that when we were studying that in school. And you're just like, what is this boring shit? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck about all these dudes. I don't know what all these amendments mean. Like, there's just so much shit. And you're just kind of like, okay, like, how do I pass the class and move on? But I don't remember like in my older high school, like, I guess like in high school, we probably were studying it. But like, I feel like for being so young when you're introduced to it and you, for one, can't vote and really you're kind of just getting through life as a kid or an adolescent or a high schooler. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish that there was something more in your 20s or when you were in in college where, like Girl in the Gov, you're creating a more approachable setting for people who are now finally in a position where they can actually make a difference by voting, where they can feel like, okay, let's me get back into this. Like, let's reintroduce this to me and help me better understand what's happening out there so I can actually participate in this, but not feeling intimidated and actually feeling educated because I've now learned it in a setting that is equivalent to my interests, <laughs> which totally. yes, yoga on a rooftop is that for me. <laughs> so I, I totally, 100%. I think it's awesome what your events had been like before this fucking pandemic. That is so cool and genius. And like, I would definitely like if my friend today was like, let's go to the library and they're hosting a free class on whatever the presidential debate or something. I would be like, what? But if they offered <laughs> cheese and wine and there yeah, was like exactly. a bunch of other things, I would be there. Yeah, me both. And and to your point, like when I was going about designing the company, I mean, that was part of the inspiration is post-grad. So I was a a government major, even though I I don't actually, with the exception of of my normal nine to five, it's not involving politics. And, but I still was like, okay, I want to keep this connection to the political world. Like I'm still interested in it. And every time I would go to get involved with an organization, it was so dry. Like it was Mm -hmm. staler than like year old bread. I'm not even kidding you. And I was like, well, how, if I like this, this is a topic I'm interested in and I'm bored and I'm not, I don't want to go, then like, I can't imagine anyone else that's even a little bit further away from the topic. Mm-hmm. So it, it has to change. It has to have something more interesting to it. And Girl on the Gov for, for us, you know, really is, um, is that it's, it's thinking about politics in a way that's like actually for you and me, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, totally. So um, what kind of guests do you guys have on your show? Um, it's been wide ranging, but like in the political sphere, obviously. So, you know, when you break down kind of who, who works in the political space, you obviously immediately think of like the actual politicians. We've had a few, I would say we had this, this week, um, we had state senator on, um, we've also had candidates on, but we've also had like a former professor, political science professor. We've had people who work, who work in political organizations like Next Gen America who like turn out the youth vote. And so 
you know, our friends that are working there and like kind of in the heat of like organizing and getting people out to vote. We've had them on. We've had campaign managers. It just kind of ranges people who work in the political space and know it very well that can provide um, insight where and you know we have a set a segment called i have a stupid question and mm-hmm. so we ask them you know the stupid questions that like we literally all have but don't want to ask or are afraid to ask and um we just try and like really simplify things and make them easy to understand but like sammy said also fun and relatable mm-hmm. and easy that's awesome um i did have another question that actually went back to the events again just out of curiosity do you ever notice that like when you have even not just events, anybody that reaches out online or, I don't know, engages with your guys, with your community, whether it's via, you know, the the website or the events or anything, if you have digital events or anything like that, do you ever notice, like, you get a mixture of political backgrounds? That is a great question. So to preface, New York is pretty blue spot. It's pretty mm-hmm. democratic. Like, it, it really... It is that. I will also say, though, without trying to get too far into the nitty-gritty, there are boroughs in New York, like Staten Island, that typically vote red um, and have some some typical Republican leanings there. So, you know, there's the potential to still have a mixture. And you also have um, the, the Wall Street crowd, if you will, and they are typically fiscally conservative, socially middle of the road to liberal. Mm-hmm. So... In a sense, there there's potential for both sides, even though it typically does lean blue. Yeah. That said, um, I mean, I definitely would say that our events, the majority of people that turn out, just based on the guests that we've had so far, have mm-hmm. been more on the Democratic side, um, just with the sort of appeal that they have. Yeah. Um, there are some people that I happen to know are Republicans that have come, but that's also like, in a weird line is like insider knowledge. Like I just happen to know, mm-hmm. but from attending the event, like if you were just looking around the room, you wouldn't necessarily know. It's not, I, and knock on, I don't, where's wood? There you go. <laughs> right. I haven't had anyone like show up and like full on protest at an event or have like, we've had really interesting conversations and dialogues come about, but nothing in the way that has been harmful or hurtful or mm-hmm. unappreciative of different sides and different opinions. Usually I will say there is a balance of that in terms of just the representation on the other side of who attends. Knowing that line is really more of just a, a preview of inside knowledge of kind of knowing some of the people at the events and or their backgrounds um, and the, just the general demographics of uh, Manhattan. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just, again, you know, I'm not 70 so I haven't lived through a bunch of presidential elections but (laughs) I mean specifically this one and the last couple especially this one I feel like things have been just so incredibly heated and there has been a lot of instances where opposing views are just like exploding like volcanoes right now and this boils down to friend groups to family members to mm-hmm. colleagues and i mean i think it's also just with the way that this world or this year has unfolded from the pandemic to all of the injustice that we've seen the mm-hmm. uprises in cities taking place and then this election i think everybody's just also on edge and we're kind of just over it like just fucking over it and so (laughs) you just get to this point where especially when it comes to election and people being you know elected into a role where they get to 
make decisions on things that could jeopardize the country or the people or whatever. When you disagree with somebody on who you're voting for, it's like it, it feels very serious. I mean, it's mm-hmm. always been serious, but I don't know if it's like the media or social media or how television has come into play or how the news gets involved, but I just feel like it's heavier than normal. And so I kind of wanted to like get your thoughts on that because for instance, like my parents are Republican. They voted for Trump. I am not and I didn't. And um, I'm seeing that across a lot of friend groups where Mm -hmm. they're kind of in this position where, you know, life is heavy, things are heavy, and you're kind of realizing that some of the people that are closest to you aren't in alignment with your political beliefs or your morals or, you know, the way you want the world to live out successfully. And it's causing so much tension and hate and aggression. And it's just like, it sucks. So like, yeah. How do you think that we can live together civilly and like maintain friendships and maintain, you know, closeness with your loved ones, even if you have opposing views? Like, is that even possible? Because I know some people don't think it is. Others do. And I'm just I'm curious, like what the perspective is from the two of you. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I think one we're all thinking about right now, just amidst this post-election world, amidst the holidays that we are all around our families. Um, I mean, my parents have the same views as me, but I have like uncles and aunts who are extremely conservative. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this problem, right? And as far as why it's so heated this year, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's just definitely a heated year as far as what we're seeing and the events we're dealing with. But I think one of the biggest things that's dividing us is the information that we take in. And if you watch things like The Social Dilemma and you kind of like see how information is put in front of us and tailored to what we want to believe. And when you see something that feeds your narrative over and over again, that can be completely false. Like you obviously believe you're right more and more and you think the other side is more and more evil and it just continues to create that divide. I personally don't think that the current administration has done a good job at like helping unite people and, you know, trying to appease both sides. I'm more hopeful about the upcoming and um, incoming administration to kind of prioritize uniting people again. So I am hopeful for like what's to come with this new administration for sure. But at the same time, I think there's so much damage, right? Like there's been so much damage. And, you know, I have like my mom, like her brothers and sisters, like think very differently from her. And she has a hard time with that. And it's, it's really hard. Like it's a hard thing to deal with. But I think the kind of answer is we have to start like healing and like healing those relationships and the way we do that is like by communicating like productively like that i think we've also just lost um a sense of how to talk to each other like humans and how to humanize each other and you know i think there's a lot of ways to do that we actually have an upcoming episode that we're talking to a therapist um about literally this exactly of how to function with your friends and family who don't think like you and how do we talk to each other again and have real conversations and you know, from what I've learned and what I've kind of my, the research I've done about it is like to have a productive conversation, like you need to be able to have an open mind. Obviously, you have to be able to critically think and put yourself in other people's shoes. But also like when you're talking to someone, like 
you can't be combative. You have to like say, use words like we and us and like make it seem like we're all in this together. And really when you break down these issues and we're obviously have such vastly different approaches to these issues, but really at the end of the day, like we really want the same things. Like we all want to thrive. We want to see our families and like communities like healthy and happy and thriving. And, um, they're just different approaches of getting there. So it's a matter of like, okay, we all want the same things. You think this approach is the right way. We think this approach is the right way. Like let's come together and maybe find like the compromise is just lost. Totally. And yeah, again, I'm, I'm hopeful with where like the political environment and space is going with this new administration to hopefully like mend that um, like through the media and all these things. But now it's hopefully a time for people to like, okay, let's come together. Let's reflect. Let's talk to each other like humans and like break bread and be forgiving and like humanize each other again, because we've just literally lost the fact that like, oh yeah, that person's literally just like a human being, just like me. We Mm -hmm. want the same things at the end of the day. I know that's actually really I everything you said, I couldn't agree with more. But I also just think that people like we don't want to be separated and divided. That's like no. a shitty feeling, you know, it really is. That's been one of the hardest parts like, yeah, of everything is, you know, you know, think obviously the way that they think about things, some of the issues we've seen this year, but some of the I don't know, most depressing parts is really just the idea that like we have such a divide in our country where like we're supposed to all be on the same team and which just like so nasty um and then the fact that that's even seeking like seeping into our families and like our and our friends and like destroying relationships like that's has been a really really hard part for a lot of people um that i feel like is almost like overlooked in a way but it's actually really damaging and like Happy, to, so excited to have a therapist on to like talk us through it because it's a serious issue. Seriously. It's causing mental health. It's like a problem for sure. Yeah, it's just a huge bummer. And I, I feel really shitty about it too because I definitely have had a lot of situations in my own life where, you know, politics has never been something I've argued about with these people on like a yeah. regular basis. And now all of a sudden it just feels like it comes up constantly. And, you know, even just watching some of the political debates, like for the first time really in my adult life, I felt really pissed about some of the shit that I was hearing and seeing. And yeah. just like this emotional feeling that you get to, you know, how like what the leaders of our country are saying or the way they're avoiding certain topics or the way that they're pretending, you know, some very severe issues aren't actually happening. It's like Mm -hmm. you you, you just feel like a little ant in a giant ant world and you're like screaming for help and no one can hear you. And it's just like, and then the ant next to you is like, fuck you. (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. And it's just like, what's going on? You just feel like you're going out of control. But Yeah, I think that's also a big part of what we're trying to do, too, with the podcast. Like, when you're more informed, it helps understand what's going on, like, helps you understand what's going on. Um, But also, like, we try to also include ways you can not only stay informed, but, like, stay active and stay involved with what's going on. It's not just about voting. Like, it goes way Mm -hmm. beyond that with you can reach out to your representatives and your Congress people and, like, you can literally send them an angry email and be like, why the fuck did you vote on that? Like, none of us want that. It's very clear. Like, you can hold your, like, representatives accountable. You can work for organizations. You can donate. There's so many things you can do. And so we try to highlight those things on our show as well, especially now that the election's over. Like, staying involved and, like, knowing that, like, I think this year everyone did feel so helpless, especially, like, after 2016. Um, I think that's very normal. And a lot of people have been feeling that way. So we also want to, like, 
even when you do inform yourself on the news and what's going on, that is even sometimes more depressing. <laughs> so always like trying to include some action steps so that there's like, okay, if I feel helpless, there are things I can do. Um, that's an important part of what we're trying to do as well. And I think there's just this misnomer that, you know, your elected officials are just there. They're so far off from you and there, there's no connection. And in some semblance of that, there, that's true. It feels like, okay, like personally, like I hate like picking up like the old school like phone. I mean, like, let me like make a call. Like I'm so like I love talking in person. I love talking on stage, but like making a freaking phone call, I'm like, oh god, this sucks. So like I get like there's that element to it, but there's email, there's text banking, there's all these different ways that you can connect with your community and connect with your representatives. So part of two those action items are being able to bring to the surface those different ways that you can connect with your representatives because there are so many avenues. I mean, DM them, literally tweet at them. There are so many new avenues to explore to make sure that they're doing the job that they're elected to do. No matter which side of the aisle that they're on, everything, especially at a local level, really impacts you. So we wanna make sure that when you realize you like look around your community and something annoys you, pisses you off, like, yes, there is a solution to that. And like, yes, there is someone that you could literally technically fire in two years if they really continue to like shit the bed on it. So. It's, it's making sure those mechanisms are moving from our end and finding ways to make it easier. It's never even occurred to me that like, I could be reaching out to people oh, yeah. and I could be following up or I could be asking questions or I could be calling or emailing. It's never occurred to me that I would like show up to city hall or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I used to live in the up in San Francisco and when I lived there, I think, you know, being in a large city and stuff like that, it was more common for us to like, be in the streets or picketing or whatever the hell we were doing. Lots but of now, marches. <laughs> yeah, like endless marches. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when is there not a march? And Literally. so, and it's just never even occurred to me that I could be reaching out to city officials to talk about stuff or ask mm-hmm. questions or demand answers on certain things. And I think even especially like right now, especially with California and, you know, things that are happening with the coronavirus and city restrictions and shutdowns and lockdowns and with Gavin Newsom going out into his Michelin star restaurant and basically breaking all of his own rules. Like when things like that happen, the, the common person's pissed about it. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? And I know all of California is so mad about what happened. And it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, great, we all are being told that we have to abide by these certain rules. And then our city officials are doing the complete opposite. And then a week later, we all get grounded and can't leave the house past 10. And it's like, how in the fuck is this happening? But Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's one of those situations where like, the common person is going on Twitter and like blasting off a bunch of tweets about it. But are we actually reaching out to the right people? Are are there certain people that we should really be contacting? Because I just feel like social media is just such like a, it's kind of like TMZ for the everyday person. And it's like, sure, we could blast all kinds of shit and maybe it reaches people, but it's just kind of like noise. And so like for all of those people that use social media to complain about certain things, like should they be actually contacting city officials? Is that like the answer and we just don't know it or we're not doing it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't know that they can reach out to their representatives at every level. So whether it's your congressperson in DC or it's your mayor or it's your governor, like there is a pathway for you to reach out to them. And if enough people do that, we definitely can see change. I think social media is a 
is a really good way though to like organize groups of people to rise mm-hmm. up for the same cause. I mean, we saw that this year, like insane. I think too, just there's any question of like whether you matter or whether standing up matters. Like this year is the perfect example that it does. Like after this summer and those protests, like I remember being at some of the prote- protests and, you know, being like, Oh God, I hope all these people go vote. Like just please go vote. Like, you know, and, and we saw that we saw just incredible like mobilizing. Um, and we saw an insane turnout, especially from young people. It's incredible. And yeah, I think social media is a really good way to like reach a lot of people. Like if you want to be like, okay, I'm pissed at Gavin Newsom, then yeah, maybe like tweet about it, see if it catches fire. And then from there, I think social media is a great way to be like, like we saw this summer, a lot of people were reaching out to their representatives and their mayors about police brutality. Um, and they were like, um, you know, people made emails and like sent them around to people to send and like, those email boxes got flooded from the, for those representatives. Mm-hmm. So I think social media is a good tool to like get a bunch of people to go reach out to mm-hmm. their representatives. But yeah, I think the idea that you can email and call them is definitely lost. And I, but mm-hmm. I think social media and those like emails and calls need to like work in tandem and to really, I think that is the really powerful tool to make change having both yeah. of them. And I think with social media, the, I mean, it's a double edged sword, social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, the social dilemma captures that perfectly in a lot of lights, but yeah, you know, it in a, a positive light, the speed in which it works is really helpful. So whether you're organizing a movement or trying to, you know, actually get in front, very much in front of the representatives or their staff, I mean, it is really an effective tool. It creates that noise can be a problem, but that noise can also create action more quickly because mm-hmm. people are more aware of it. The more public it is, the more they need to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Granted, obviously, like, and Maddie and I can talk at length about this too, not being proponents of cancel culture, whether that's a representative or anyone else-wise, you know, there's always a time for learning and there's a time for change. So when that contact is made, making it effective, making it a pr- making it not just approachable, but making it essentially take a turn where it's effective and not just a, a means of creating more noise for the sake of creating noise. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that we've seen that's really a barrier to entry to contacting people's representatives is when people get to that email box or they get to, you know, they, they Google it, whatever, they're on their representative's website and they are ready to make that call. They don't know what to say. And mm-hmm. I think we've all been in that situation where you're like, okay, well, I have this complaint, but like, do I like have to write like, Dear honorary, blah, 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 blah. Like, how do you approach that? Like, what the fuck do you say? And what do you call them? You put it in in all caps and you call their asses out. That's great. So, like, I think it creates, like, this issue where people just don't know where to start. They get overwhelmed easily with it. It totally makes sense. I totally get it. And they don't know what to do because it's like, what's the protocol? No one's teaching that. And I think that goes back to even the conversation what we were having earlier about, okay, when was the last time you learned about politics? Was it fourth grade? Like, I, like, so long ago and in such a way that like made it so unfamiliar and so not something you like keep like coming mm-hmm. back to over and over it's like okay I took the test audio see you later yeah. whatever right so like I think that is something like we as a podcast as a company are looking to do too is to really create sort of a not just a template maybe that's the wrong word but a mechanism in which people can learn how to actually approach their mm-hmm. representatives on email on the phone on social media what are the ways to do that and how not to be intimidated by doing it Mm -hmm. I love it I mean that's so needed like yeah we need that more than ever especially like you know I, I like something that I think is also really important which I don't know if anybody's doing this yet but it would be great to like be able to start having these conversations with 
really young people, like the people that are mm -hmm. in the fourth and fifth grade who are yes. bored to death by their history teachers or whoever the hell is teaching about government in their schools and like totally. give them a platform where they can learn more about this that's in like not only an interesting but like digestible way that is equivalent to their education ability because a lot of the times like the terminology is crazy whatever mm -hmm. like we're talking about like 1435 like nobody knows what's going on and it's just yeah. like what like what do we care and yeah. so like a way to kind of teach that and make it more interesting and approachable because I really think it's it's so important to get our society interested in this earlier so when they do get to 18 they can actually make educated decisions when it comes to voting because they've had so many years of knowing about it and learning about it in a way that was of interest to them. Because I also feel like sometimes kids turn 18 and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go vote. It's like, check, 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 check. I like that name. I like that. Like, do, yeah. they, do they really know what they're voting about? It's yeah. like me when like my boyfriend does fantasy football. I'm like, oh, pick that <laughs> name. It's better. No, I like that name better. You know, it's like, I yeah. don't know. You're like, that's and my favorite mascot. Like, that's a cuter <laughs> animal. Yeah. Oh, my sure. God. Me. Literally me. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, if we want to get, like, deep here, like, the, it's really intentional, though. Like, why? It, it's kind of scary to think about. But, you know, people in power don't really want a super informed um, electorate because, you know, especially young people because young people often swing a certain way and so when people are kind of like oppressed from information it's they're easier to control and so that's why we see such you know awful like voting turnout like why isn't our election day a holiday we make such a big deal about it but then like people have to like work all day and aren't even able to vote so we claim that we you know love democracy and it's the most important thing to us but we don't really we don't really show it um, in a lot of ways when you really break down some of our systems and how they work. Our education system is a perfect example of that. Like you said, like, why are we taught about civics at, you know, age 10 when we don't give a shit? And then we get like the most basic understanding of it, if anything. And then we go out into the world and we're like, what we're expected to go vote. It's, it's just, it's bullshit. And, but it's done intentionally. Like they, they it's, we're easier to control that way. And so, yeah, I think, I don't know what this necessary solution is. I think it's continuing though to talk about it. I think too for parents, if you're a parent, um, especially a parent of a daughter, like encourage your kids to run for office, like tell them they can do that. Um, put it in their brains, like, you know, kind of paint these also politicians, the good ones, at least like superheroes, like it's a really noble and important job. And I think with all of the noise that politics creates, that's often lost. And it's become nasty and it's become gross and people don't want anything to do with it. The minute like someone like brings up taxes or something in a conversation, you're like, oh God, don't bring up politics, please, right. please, please. You know, it's just like, it's, it's not healthy and we need to start, you know, having more productive conversations about it. And I think, like you said, totally, we need more young people and like, if you have kids, getting them engaged um, in fun ways and encouraging them that they can be the next president, like just plant that shit in their head. Um, yeah. It's so important because the more people too that will even go through high school and be like, you know, what? I want to major in like political science. Like we need more people that want to do that. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's really important. Yeah. And I think we've luckily seen with the last two elections, more and more young women run for office, which has been really exciting, but not just in terms of having our own voices more represented or um, whatnot, but also thinking about 
those fourth graders thinking about the kids that are younger than that and thinking about, okay, now they actually have a role model. The role model Mm -hmm. is not the 65 year old white guy with a really bad haircut. Like, (laughs) you know, like there's actually someone that their mom can be like, look at her. She's killing it. Look at her. Don't you want to be like her when you grow up and have that actual role model there to think Mm -hmm. about. And I think we're growing up in, or not growing up, I guess we're already grown up, dear God, but we're, we're, we're evolving as, as yeah. I guess adults like to say. And, you know, as we're evolving and they're growing up, um, you know, they're getting to see more and more people really take the reins in a positive manner. And I hope we only see it more. And I hope us at the stage in life that we're at continue to become those role models also for those people that we're talking about now. So mm-hmm. I think for for our end, I know Maddie spoke about it too about you know not being afraid to run to, run for office um, and getting involved in politics. I mean, I think it, it starts with all of us. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, this is the perfect transition because I wanted to talk to you guys about women, girl in the gov. Here we are. I have lots to discuss here, but this is a perfect opportunity to refill the wine glass. You love it. Right in front of the mic. I love that sound. Thank you. It's my favorite. Um, Okay, so did you, do you, like, both of you obviously have been interested in politics for a very, very long time. As you just mentioned, there weren't really any female role models for us when we were growing up. And you know, luckily in the past couple of years, that's changing. And it's very much changed with this last election with Kamala. So exciting. But mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know, have you ever had like political female role models, whether that would have been when you were younger or just today? Like, who do you think is, I mean, obviously there are a couple that stand out immediately, but I just, just out of curiosity, like who do you think is either kicking ass today that you think is going to make a huge impact for our future, like not just over the next year, but for years and years to come? Or was there even anybody when you were younger that kind of stood out to you that you were introduced to that helped spark this interest? Um, Honestly, it's cr- like when you say that, I I did not honestly – to. I did not have a role model in the political space growing up. I, through high school, was when my, like, passion for it kind of started. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't really have, like, someone to look up to, which is crazy. And, like, if you were to ask me then, it'd probably be, like, Hillary Clinton, because that's, like, probably the only name you can think of. Like, Mm -hmm. now, though, we are seeing, like, some really incredible women, and especially young women. Like, that has been the most exciting part for me, and seeing just – like, okay, so AOC, I would see, say, is probably definitely an idol of mine now. Like, regardless even of, you know, whether you agree on policy or with her or anything, her presence and, like, her strength and the way she speaks and how articulate she is and, like, she's not afraid, she's a powerhouse, like, she is definitely an idol. Like, I just want to be like her. She always, like, looks cute. She always just, like... <laughs> She just shows up and she's a absolute powerhouse. And so I, and there's a lot of women that are now doing that. And we're seeing that within just the last couple of years, it's been a crazy wave, but has been so inspiring just to see these women like step up and the young women, especially, I think that part's huge. Cause like we've talked about this on our show of, you know, having like women represent us who would like still get their period, like that, the fact that that's not there's only a few that you can count that like are under a certain age um is crazy and but we are starting to see you know slowly women trickle in who do represent us and who do look like us and live like us and 
Um, you know, we had State Senator Biagi on our show this week and she's like a powerhouse in the New York State Senate. And like, she's now someone that I would definitely look up to. Like, it's just really like incredible seeing these women, the young women like stand up on this house floor that can be so intimidating with all these long term lifetime, like, politicians and just come in and like stir the pot and just change change the game it's really incredible to see like that's definitely like where my inspiration lies these days for sure totally yeah I mean I think it's hard when I when I think back to it I can't pinpoint one particular role model um I don't know if it's because I was like originally thinking like oh I'm gonna have like a legal career or Mm -hmm what like where that kind of dropped off for me I mean I can tell you that I stood up in the seventh grade and called George Bush an asshole for my entire class <laughs> like that like comes back to me I'm like oh okay cool 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 but like that doesn't really like help on the role model end of things yeah. right like there's not like someone I'm like yes oh my god idol mm-hmm. now I mean I can't agree more with Maddie I mean having young women actually in office making change is so inspiring and I feel like our role models are emerging now because and and maybe I'm trying to think of how to put this, but it's the role model is no longer 10 to 15 to 20 years older than you. It's not the, oh, like when I grow up, it's the, oh no, who I'm going to be next year or the year after that, because people are now our peers. So Mm -hmm. for example, we also had, um, she just won her seat, which is super exciting, but states, future state Senator Michelle Hinchy on our show as well. And, you know, she's just a few years older than us. And that in and of itself makes it feel like, oh, I can do this. I can run for office. And not only that, but like my voice is now going to be represented in a spot that was represented by an old dude for quite some time. So like, let's Mm -hmm. see where that goes. And I think right now the, the role models that we've come, come across and are becoming our peers, that'll be really interesting to sort of see what they do in the next, you know, few terms and how that will impact us. I know it's already impacted us by inspiring us, making things feel more accessible, but I mean, I, I see that definitely changing for myself. I'm sure with Maddie too, like in the next few years, how that um, changes our own trajectories. Yeah. yeah. We also had a 21 year old running for city council in New York City. Really? Um, yeah. And it's how just did like, I that? oh my God. She, I mean, she is now my role model and she's younger than me. <laughs> and I'm like, you, and she's still in college. She's doing and classes she's and can't, yeah, she's doing classes and campaigning and working. And I'm like, Okay, women, like, you can literally do anything. Like, if you – we need to encourage our peers and our sisters and our friends that, like, if you know someone who just is a powerhouse and you were like, oh, my God, you could absolutely kill it, like, as a politician, like, tell them. Like, tell each other that they can do it. Plant that seed in their head. And that way, like, if something does inspire them down the line to take action or to run, it'll be easier for them to actually make that step because they've been encouraged to do it. So mm-hmm. talk to each other and, like, encourage women to not only, like, run for office, but really to do anything, like, but especially to run for office because I think men are told their whole lives, like, you can be president and just it's definitely lost on women. And so especially, again, that comment on like talking to your daughters too at a young age start it then but even if you know it's your you know best friend who's also 25 and if she can run for office and you see that for her and that's like in her in the cards for her like 
tell her tell her yeah i mean even i'm sure you guys saw that photo going around social media where it showed kamala harris standing and then there were like all these little icons of all the white dudes that had come before her yes and like i swear to god that picture alone just gave me all the feels like i had never i just felt like holy fucking shit like this is i'm looking at historic change and i'm living through it and i'm only in my early 30s which means if this is happening for me now by the time i am 70 like where you know how could this keep evolving and how could it continue to progress and i don't know that picture of kamala next to all those white dudes was just like everything that i needed and just imagine little girls looking at that too yeah no that was i was gonna say that too i mean now we're starting to see more women, right? And we're starting to see more women coming into these off, like offices. Uh, and that alone will do, actually do so much to inspire young women to run for office too. So like, hopefully, like after this kind of glass ceiling, we put a crack in, like that it will snowball effect. And, um, I think just seeing who we've seen in the past couple years is gonna like, we're gonna see a, a fucking, snowball like avalanche down the mountain in the next i would say 10 years of like women coming into these positions and just taking over that's my do you guys think that aoc is gonna be at least attempt to become president at some point yeah probably 100 percent. to transition just a tad but still staying on the wavelength of women this episode is going to be coming out in January, and that's going to be right around the time that we are approaching the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And all of us experienced an extremely tragic loss this year with Ruth. Um, And one of the things that has really fucking fueled my fire with this presidential election was the... uh, you know, once the the exact moment that Ruth left the earth, mm-hmm. Trump stepped in and elected Amy Coney Barrett to take over. Yeah. And um, she's very clearly a person that is anti-abortion and mm-hmm. anti a lot of things, to be honest, that are anti, all like women. <laughs> she is fully a misogynist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, oh, I, it just like I I could literally go off on like six years of tangents but you know in in addition to that in addition to ruth dying amy coming in we're approaching the anniversary of roe v wade in poland they literally are having a total countrywide war over the abortion anti-abortion law that was just passed i think in october um which i did a lot of research on this because i was like what the fuck are you kidding me we're in 2020 is this a real thing and i i either missed this or didn't know about it but apparently so the abortion law that they just passed basically stated that a, like it's now illegal for a woman to get an abortion if the fetus it has like a severe or irreversible birth defect which in the past before this law had been passed this was 90 something percent i don't have the exact stat but i looked it up and it stated that 90 something percent of the women in Poland did get abortions for this exact reason, legal abortions. And now that has been taken away and could go. I mean, I just want to like light fires in the neighborhood right now over it. But apparently in 2016, the Poland government tried to ban all abortions and for everything, including rape and incest. Even if the woman's life was at risk, if she were to give birth, she could die. They're like, sorry, you're going to die anyway. We're saving the baby. Like, 
they were going to abandon them all. And the only reason why it didn't pass, it was delayed. It wasn't passed and it wasn't canceled. It's just, it's been delayed because Mm -hmm. the civil uprise that occurred when they tried to pass that was more than the civil uprise that occurred when that country's fall of communism took place in 1989. So they have not had so much unrest since 1989 when communism (laughs) ended. And I'm just like, how is all of this happening right now? Like, I I, I don't understand it. And I I get that, like, a place like Poland, any other country, really, like, things are much different. But I just feel like life has progressed for so long. Like, humans have been alive forever. We're in 2020. Like, we have robots, you know, operating cars. Like, the things that have, like, happened technologically in this day and age, and we're still stripping the rights away from women in terms of what they can do with their bodies, when and why why and how, I just don't fucking get it. I'm I'm outraged by it. And I think this Mm -hmm. is really one of the number one things that I feel so strongly about, especially when I come across friends or family who are interested in electing people that are actively against these rights. I've come into a place where I'm like, I don't know how to operate with you (laughs) in my life when you actively are supporting this type of law. Yeah. Which is actively targeting me and my rights. Like, I don't know how to meet these people eye to eye. And it's it's caused a lot of up, like a lot of issues in some of my personal relationships with people this year. So mm-hmm. would love to get your thoughts on literally everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a tough, tough topic for because I mean, I I just hate to like the idea that I think people on the other side truly think that, like, if you're pro-choice, like, you're pro-abortion. And there's this, like, entitlement, I feel like, if you are pro-life, that, you know, you think that you're right, and so you, everyone else should think and do as you say. Um, but this is a right and a choice for women, and it doesn't involve you. Like, it has nothing to do with you. And I think it's the same thing with the topic of, like, gay marriage. I don't fucking understand how anyone could be against it. And, it, like, it doesn't affect you. I, I That's really what – that issue alone is what really triggered me to, like, get involved with politics. In high school, I just could not fucking wrap my head around it. Um, but it's honestly an anomaly to me. Like, I don't – I don't get it either. It's really just a tricky situation because then if you're, like – you're arguing about abortion and then you know you be you're accused of like not caring about like life and all this shit and it's it's really contentious i don't really know what the right way to like get someone to understand it as if they don't understand that it's your body and your choice like i don't know how to get through to you you know it's um it's really it's tough i i don't have an answer sammy do you have an answer? yeah i mean i always really struggle with this one i mean in terms of background where I know with Poland, for example, or some of it comes from, it is very connected to religion. The majority of the country is Catholic. So seeing sort of some of the ideas coming from the church or the church establishment really pushing for power, lobbying for some of these laws is where we're seeing a lot of that come through. So in terms of that, like I see where it comes from. I see in the U.S. too. Um, I have, and she will unfortunately be my example for this every time I talk about this, uh, but one of my best friends is from Pennsylvania. Her 
Um, parents could not be more religious if you tried, and their entire congregation before the election was harping, if you are voting for anyone outside of President Trump, you are voting to kill babies verbatim. Like, that is to them what they think and what they conceptualize as a part of their religious, you know, doctrine and what they need to project and what they need to protect. So I think they're, in terms of trying to come to terms with it, I think it's not necessarily coming to terms with it, but it's having an understanding that their entire lives are based on, okay, what were they taught as a child? It was to be this religious. It was to be taught this is right and this is wrong. And to sort of look at it as, okay, well, maybe that is what they have grown up thinking and what they're still continuing to be, what conversations they're continuing to be in, but to approach them by providing them all of the different information in your perspective and also having them share their perspective as well as to what the, the background is. Because I think that's where I personally struggle with is I don't, maybe from a surface level or, you know, a, you know, reading a textbook and whatnot, I have an understanding of, okay, this belief, this dogma comes from a more religious perspective, but I don't really understand how they encapsulate that in their own brains and how they then, you know, put that forward. So I think mm -hmm. from my own perspective, I would like love to have more in-depth conversations with people that do have those views and try and get without, you know, not in a combative sense, but what is so important about this issue? What does it feel like? Why is this your your one issue vote? Why is this the thing that you feel like needs to be, fo be put forward? And to connect it on, you know, the women's rights element, the um, and, you know, sort of voting against yourself. I mean, I think that's a conversation about sort of, you know, deep-rooted misogyny and some of the other things that we continue to face and not even realize on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think my answer is not necessarily direct. It's layered mm -hmm. because the issue is layered. And yeah. so I think we need to look at all these different elements separately and start to have conversations where maybe we don't get to a solution. Maybe we don't under ever fully come to the same belief, but we have a better understanding of the perspectives because... I yeah. think that's something I struggle with. I think it's something we all struggle with um, as for this conversation. So that's, that's sort of where my head is I, at with it. Yeah, I think that's the approach to it across the board from like our first question about like, mm -hmm. how do you talk to your family that doesn't agree with you? Um, yeah, I think it's just like really, I mean, tone, it's huge. Like, yeah, that human, like, okay, what do you think about it? Let, then I'll tell you what I think about it. As far as like arguments too, I mean, especially like Republicans, it's so frustrating because it's like, okay, you're pro-life, but you're not pro-life when it comes to like gun control or the death penalty or coronavirus or like anything that like where we're seeing just people's lives be tarnished on these issues and immigration and whatever lives aren't prioritized. Then it's just like this, you know, fetus, we don't know about like that you care about and then once it comes into the world you know police brutality everything like it goes so out the window fetuses? yeah <laughs> it's just it's like so weird. I, think I like i honestly yeah. do not understand it well it's like okay well this is where i would understand it is or understand it further if anyone that was then pro-life then cared about people that were on this earth and in all these other capacities, um, then I would get it. Like, you're trying to protect women, you're trying to protect minorities, trying to protect, you're trying to protect humankind of all sorts. Like, okay, maybe I still disagree with you, but your stance is fully fledged and fully thought out and yeah. understood. But Consistent. like, when it's a limited microscopic element of a larger concept, it makes no sense. Yeah, this like, concept of pro-life. Yeah. Pro, like, 
one fifth pro not like just not abortion i don't know like but you need to be consistent if you're gonna say pro-life you need to be consistent with pro-life throughout every issue um yeah i uh i don't know it's it's frustrating for sure well and you know i actually saw a really good argument um that made a lot of sense to me where you know for people that are actively urging pro-life and are anti-abortion and are saying save the babies those people only care about that fetus to the point that it's born and brought out of the woman's body into yeah. earth after that chopped liver <laughs> like yeah to good luck like hope you have a good life like yeah. that person you know the they don't give a fuck about what the mother has gone through what she's mm-hmm. been subjected to what kind of financial income she has if she even has a job does she have a home what's the scenario is she an addict was she raped like or is she just a regular middle class woman in America who wants to have a career? Like, it doesn't matter. And, yeah. you know, it's so funny because it's like, save the fetus, save the baby. And in many situations in which women have gotten abortions, it was for it it was for situations in which that was very the best legitimate choice. reasons. Very legitimate exactly. reasons. Yeah, I think that it's so lost. Like, abortion is not easy for any woman to go through. Like, that's also not talked about enough that, like, that's a really, really hard thing to go through. And you're doing that out of the best interest of that potential child and of yourself and of your life. And like, if you can't give a child the proper life, like you as a mother and as a woman, like can make that decision for, for yourself. And, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, okay, people literally project this on people who are pro-choice that like, okay, you're pro-abortion. You don't care. You'll just like abort a child. Like who, who cares? Like, no, it's a really hard thing for people to go through. Um, And I think that's often lost. But at the end of the day, I think that should prove to you that like women do this and it's absolutely devastating to their life, but they do it because it's right and because it's their body and because that's the choice that they needed to make. And that's so often lost and out of the conversation, you know. And I think it's like integrated into all of women's health too. You know, it's not just abortion, it's also birth control. The amount of friends I have that are on birth control for reasons not relating to sex. I mean, it's pretty, I don't have enough fingers and toes. Mm-hmm. And, like, literally is life-saving to a few of my friends. Like, they would not be okay without it. And so to think that also, you know, the, the policies that are then being implemented by some of these people are to take that away because they qualify. They also, they market and brand it as something that is essentially anti-abortion is a problem as well. It's like, no, like, it, it has entirely other – if we just said it was – a blood clot preventer prevention medicine you'd be okay with it but because it says birth control and you associate it with abortion you have an issue with it so yeah i I think people don't also realize how far reaching it is and also i mean we talk about this like so much on our podcast but is about rebranding politics but it is also rebranding all these little elements that that are below it too because something like birth control and the way it's named it has such like far-reaching effects yeah Yeah. like making them like holistic issues and not black and white that's what we talk about so much is like um they need to people need to think about these issues more in depth and realize like there are reasons to why people think the way that they do um there's different approaches there's everything's not black and white it's not like wall or no wall for immigration like there's Mm -hmm. it's a comprehensive issue just like women's health and just like anything and um we need to be able to think about these things and talk about these things as a whole and not just have like these partisan talking points um, and yell at each other about it. (laughs) We have to like come together and realize, okay, this is a big issue. 
there let's look at this problem tree okay we'll have like the immigration here at the bottom and we'll like stem out like we had all these fucking practices we did when we were when i was organizing on a campaign <laughs> but, um yeah it's just we have to stop making things black and white in politics yeah. and that's again part of that rebranding that we are trying to do for sure i love it well it's much needed <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you couldn't pick a better time to rebrand politics. It will be really interesting to see what happens next year, but I, I'm i definitely ready for things to come back together because it's it's just been tense. It's been tense in my house. It's been tense among all of my friends. Like, ugh, yeah. we need it. So I'm super excited that you guys have your show and your company and are making an effort to fix a problem that's happening and, you know, help people get more comfortable with politics and feel more able to ask questions about it. And also just like providing a resource and the fact that you have so many awesome people that are literally working day to day in this in this industry that you have on the show that can also help be a source of information for people like myself who haven't thought about politics since the first, fourth grade. <laughs> you know yeah um totally so that's super awesome okay well i want you guys to well first of all before we get into all the the plugging <laughs> what do you guys like what does sisterhood mean to you from girl in the gov perspective sammy you want to go okay i'll start <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like sisterhood is one of those things that can change you know obviously it's it's based on perspective um, but I think sisterhood to me is about surrounding yourself with supportive women, um, and creating and only continue to expand a network of people that provide new perspectives, but also, and may disagree with you, but also lift you up and support you. And I think, you know, that is, um, really key and really essential to, you know, being successful currently, but also to being happy. And I think sisterhood can be multifaceted. It can be about, you know, sort of your uh, emotional health. It can be about your work health. It can be about, you know, every element of your life. And I think the the true sister in your life is able to help you at all those different intervals throughout. Um, so I, I really love, like, my, I shout out to my friend group right now. Like, you guys mm-hmm. kill it. But, like, um, you know, having that friend friend group and friend circle that um, continue to expand and really think about um, as, you know, people that lift me up and support me and um, are, you know, always down to, you know, listen to our podcast, you know, <laughs> shout out to all you guys. Um, yeah, I think that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree with all of that. Um, I have an actual sister, so I have a that's bit cheating. of a just... <laughs> That is so cheating. I'm an only child. Um, no, I, yeah, I have an actual sister. I also grew up playing soccer. So I was like surrounded by a team of women. And I think that was a big lesson in sisterhood of like, yeah, lifting each other up, supporting each other, like working together. Um, also like holding each other accountable, like, you know, telling people what they need to hear when they need to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in the political lens too, like just this topic of encouraging women, and, you know, the sisters and, like, women in your life that they can have a voice in politics and in government and they can make a change. And it's not just, like, running for office, too. We need women across the board in politics, like, working in these organizations, working on campaigns, working for staffs, staff of elected officials, even just volunteering. Like, if you have a, like, regular nine-to-five, like, you can still like volunteer and like help out in the political space and like make your impact. And so 
encouraging women to do that as well as far as sisterhood and the political lens but yeah like overall like sammy said just like really uplifting each other and just bringing good energy and being there for each other i don't know i think also women i think for so many for so long like women i think are competitive with each other for the wrong reasons too and i think that needs to change and we need to like look at each other and like i don't know be more like sympathetic towards each other and uplift each other after that because yeah i think sometimes women can be nasty to each other and like that absolutely needs to stop so yeah just uplift and support and that's sisterhood to me for sure join us every wednesday we bring on you know we say guests in the political field from elected officials to campaign managers to um, absolute powerhouses running organizations uh, that are giving us not just the inside scoop, but breaking it down so it's super easy to understand. Uh, we're asking the quote-unquote stupid questions, but we promise you we have those questions as well. You know, we're not just asking questions we think listeners might, you know, have or whatnot. We're asking questions like we really want the answers to. So I think, too, to segue into plugging ourselves, um, our DMs are always open. So do follow yes. us at Girl on the Go of the podcast. Um, please DM us any of your questions, any questions you, you know, want to um, ask any elected officials, campaign managers, the whole, the whole gamut. Um, also follow us at just girl on the gov. That is where you will find information on events when we get back to events, uh, as well as some of our partners, sponsors, um, and other political news that we tackle on there as well. So you get two Instagrams for the price of one. DM us on either. Um, we're, we're always keeping our eyes out for questions, um, thoughts, feelings, emotions as well. You know, if you just want to vent about some political stuff, like hit us up. Yeah, um, if you are on the Twitter sphere, um, Maddie will definitely be responding to you there <laughs> because Twitter is terrifying, but Maddie loves it. Shout out there. Um, but Girl on the Gov 1 is... Our Twitter, girl on the gov, just girl on the gov is our normal Twitter. So I did that to us. So if you want to like complain <laughs> about like some like bad like organization skills, like that was like my prime example. Um, so yeah, no one kill me on that one. But anyways, and then for our website, um, please hit us up at girlonthegov.com and all the information on who we are, what we do, our elevator speech and all that jazz is all there. Um, and of course, if you are feeling super old school, we do love a good email. So at girlinthegov um, at gmail.com, hit us up. Yeah, we're everywhere podcasts can be found. So subscribe, leave us reviews. We're trying to climb the charts. So help us out. I really do think we are a good resource. Um, if you are feeling helpless and you need resources to like, be more politically informed. Like that's truly what we are trying to do. Like for women to just like us, that's who our demographic is. We're trying to help women be more informed, be more active civically and like have a voice. Um, and hopefully like, honestly, I think our end goal is like really to inspire like the next AOC or the next person like run for office. Like if they got their inspo from girl in the gut, the podcast, I could die happy, you know? Right. So yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll inform you. We also always end the episode with like action steps you can take if you do want to get involved. Um, try and help some of that helplessness. Like that's a huge part that I think even us, we both feel, you know, and we kind of know what's going on. We're in the know, but that helpless feeling is, um, is common and, but there are things you can do to combat it. So hit us up. Awesome. Are you guys ever going to reach out to AOC to get her on the show? Oh, that's the dream. Oh. We just, yeah, we just yes, had a yes, call yes. with somebody yesterday who was like, okay, when are you going to get like 
Andrew Yang, Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Like, you got to get some names on there. We're like, oh, shit. Like, fuck, how do we do that? So we're working our way. That's, like, the awesome. end goal for sure. But I think we got to... We got to build a little bit, a little oh, bit yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. Also, like, <laughs> terrifying. I'd be like, <gasps> oh, my God. I'd be like, can I just listen to you, like, for hours? That's all I want. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much. I honestly really value this conversation. I I mean, obviously, I'm a feminist-styled podcast, so we all know that I care about a lot of women's issues. And... um you know, typically I don't talk about a lot of them on the show because I just tell other women's stories. So what's been really cool about having this new segment is being, you know, having the opportunity to talk to other women, um, whether they have their own businesses or their own podcasts or creative projects, but being able to have these like real genuine conversations with other women who are going through the same shit as I am living in the same world that I'm living in. And we can really talk about what's happening in this world. So very, very appreciative that you guys joined me today. I am so excited about having you on the show, and I have no doubt that all of our listeners are going to really, really love this episode because, I mean, it's a fucking political world, and we are political girls. <laughs> it affects everyone. Oh, my God. Epic. We might swoop that for our intro. Sam? Honestly, that just came like, That's the intro we were looking for. We're trying to like Seriously. revamp our intro music. But, like, maybe that's our slogan. Oh, my God. You can have it. Free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Oh, hilarious. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited about this. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in again for another Everyday Woman episode. We will be back next week with some women in history. So stay tuned for some wine and some women and some good fucking stories. Um... <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.